Hey folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today, I'm talking to Jose Rincon. Jose, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Reggie. Thank you. Good. <laughs> you you seem like you're doing well today. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're a big Queen fan, is that How could right? you tell? <laughs> well, and for those out there listening, not the Queen you're thinking of. <laughs> the Queen of England? <laughs> I, it's probably what most are assuming. I mean the musical group. Mm. You have a... Queen, yes, I'm repping. 1975 tour shirt on. Tell us more about about Queen. About the Queen, uh, about the <laughs> band Queen. Well, I'm a huge fan of their music. Uh-huh. Freddie Mercury is, you know, one of the greatest vocalists of all time, an icon for sure. And uh, I got this shirt at Hot Topic many, many years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and it still fits. Thank you very much. <laughs> In case you were wondering, exactly. audience, mm-hmm. I remember when Hot Topic was my t-shirt spot for sure. Um, they had all the good stuff. Yeah, Sorry. I think <laughs> I might have. I, I think myself. this came from the one that used to be in the in the Burlington Square Mall. Whenever, oh yes, however long ago it was known as that. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, those were the days. I know. Now and it's just a big pit. It's <laughs> well a shell of its former self. Mm-hmm. Starbucks, Starbucks, and then like three stores where you can get Vermont swag. <laughs> Um, I get my nails done in the basement. Perfect. At Jenny. Okay. <laughs> so you, so you, this is the, the, the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, I just, I was distracted by your, um, queen paraphernalia, but I'm also a big fan. I love them. Um, but you were born and raised in Burlington. So you've been here for a while and some, not continuously, right? but, um, here and there, Burlington has been your home for a long time, right? Yes. Born and raised in Burlington. Um, actually started off for the first 10 years in Colchester. Um, but then after my second uh, brother was born, my parents decided to move into town closer to where we were going to school. And uh, then left after high school and was gone for about 15 years until I moved back in 2017. Yeah. But it's always been my home. So what what made you want to leave Burlington <laughs> after high school? Well, um I felt it was a little Dullsville here. Um I didn't really have a sense of, you know, the the richness and quality of life that this uh city has to offer. I was just itching to get out and get to the big city. Um and so that's where I ended up in in New York for about 10 years. Um actually when I first moved out I went to Potsdam, New York, um, which is really small. And that's when I was like, oh, this is actually a really small city. Yeah, but it was a great place to go to school. And then, yeah, after that, went on to bigger cities. Did you feel like um, you had a typical Vermont upbringing, a typical Burlington upbringing? Um, and what what even would that look like? What's a typical? yeah. Um, to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess having it be the only thing that I've, that I knew it felt typical to me. I mean, neither of my parents are from Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. my dad's from Texas and my mom is from New York, uh, from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I'm not one of those Vermonters who has, you know, generations of Vermonters behind them. Um, which is what some folks would consider like to be a real Vermonter. Bank. Do you want to, let's unpack that for a second and what the fuck is up with that? I know I heard <laughs> I heard um one 
one expression like that you need to have four in the ground um, to be considered a real Vermonter, which I guess means, you know, you need to have four grandparents that are dead and buried somewhere in Vermont. Um, I don't remember where or who I heard that from, but um, that that was one definition of what it means to be a real Vermonter. Do you think they might have been white? Uh, I can guarantee they were white. (laughs) Um, So what, what do you think is behind that like way of thinking that need to like assert oneself as a real Vermonter in that way? What it was, what's that about? I think everybody has their own idea of what it means to, to be from somewhere. Um, and that's fine. Um, (laughs) but, um, I always identified myself as a, a Vermonter. Um, even when I was living in Tallahassee, when I was living in Potsdam, when I was living in New York City, um, I thought of myself as a Vermonter and take a sense of pride in that because there aren't that many people that are from Vermont relative to the people that are from New York or from Florida, from Texas. Um, so the fact that I was born and raised here and, you know, graduated from high school and everything from here, I've never thought of myself as anything but a Vermont, a citizen of the world, but a a Vermonter (laughs) at heart. (laughs) An ambassador of sorts. Absolutely, yeah. I was always um, preaching the good word of Vermont to whoever would listen. And and did you find it to be a good word? Do you have, you know, fond memories about growing up here, say? Or was, I mean, or or things about that that you maybe wish were different? I mean, everyone, everyone, there's something about everyone's upbringing that they wish were different, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I had, I, I have really, really overall great memories of growing up here. I have wonderful parents and, um, they created a a really nice life for me and my two brothers. Um, had really good experiences overall, um, in school, in grade school and high school, not to say that there weren't moments, um, that I wish hadn't happened. Um, but I feel like even those moments were, you know, opportunities for, learning and growth and all that good stuff looking back. Um, but you know, certainly by senior year, I was itching to, to get out <laughs> right. and like, there was no chance that I was going to go to UVM. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to, um, see someplace else. And I think that that's largely because partly because my parents are transplants from here. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think I have an innate, um, uh, innate sense of being okay with just picking up and moving somewhere else and checking it out for a while. Um, so that's what gave me the confidence, I think, to to get up and live outside of Vermont for a while. Right. And when you settled, I suppose, when you were, when you left, um, we graduated college, mm-hmm. that's when you went to New York, is that right? Uh, so I did undergrad at SUNY Potsdam, uh-huh. um, and then I went on to grad school in Tallahassee, Florida for two years, okay. imme- immediately after. And then when I graduated from Florida State University in 2008, I moved up to New York City mm-hmm. and lived there for just over nine years um, and uh, would come back to Vermont um, at least a couple times a year while mm. I was there. Um, my best friend and her family are still largely here. My parents moved out of Vermont in 2003 mm. um so um it, so that's a connection that you lost sort of to yeah I don't have any family here anymore mm-hmm. um my brothers live out of state my parents are out of state um but uh it was a really good place to kind of recharge um 
and refresh myself from um, kind of the craziness of city life. Um, and that's when I really started to appreciate the quality of life up here, um, having that contrast of what, you know, living in gritty New York feels like, you know, on the day to day. Well, Vermont is sort of stereotypically cliched, um, known as like a vacation spot for New Yorkers, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a sort of a, um, what would you say? The, the backyard? No, not the, I don't know. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know. And you mean like in all the Hallmark movies, you know, the people that escaped the big city, a lot of times they go up to, you know, picturesque and idyllic Vermont. Yeah. It's like a one liner. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a further I'm not saying that's right or wrong that's um it's just what it is it's pop culture um the relationship between New York and Vermont is really interesting in pop culture because it often looks like that it's where you know it's the the playground the hideaway yeah for like the, the rich and famous there it's like oh, I just want to like you know well I guess to a certain point in New York or if you're able to mm-hmm. you know make enough money so that you can have a place outside of New York right. a country home well, a, a, a weekend symbol, place you know it's really nice and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to you know have several friends who had country homes not in Vermont but you know in the Poconos mm-hmm. or um, just just outside of the city um, but um, yeah it is i it is important at least for my mental health to, to have that balance. Um, that said coming back to Vermont and living and working here as a professional, um, is different than just coming up for a long weekend and, you know, being on the lake and, uh, kind of just, you know, disconnecting, Mm. um, from everything for a little while. It's, it's different when you're, when you're here full time. Yeah. Yeah. And in New York, there's a famous saying, if you can make it there, <laughs> you can make it anywhere. Jose, what does it take to make it in New York? To make it in New York? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that would depend on one's definition of making it. Um, I think surviving in New York um, takes, um, I guess I don't know. You have to um, just be able to put up with a lot of people around all the time. Um, you have to be okay with crowds and smells and noise, um, and, uh, just be able to, and realize that, you know, those aren't going away. Um, and find your own little space within that, find your neighborhood, kind of find your little world within the, the larger craziness that is New York city. Um, and I bounced around a few different places within the greater New York city area. I was started off in Queens and then I was in the Bronx and Manhattan. And then I moved to Jersey for a little while and ended up on Long Island for the last year or so that I was down there. Um, so I feel like I got a little bit of taste of different, you know, living situations and areas out there. Um, again, that's me, you know, and I feel restless and mm. uh, feel like it's time to switch it up. I'm not Even afraid to. the same city. Yeah, whereas, <laughs> whereas some people lived, moved to New York and, you know, they stay in the same apartment forever um, mm. because finding housing can be tricky. Yeah. Um, and moving is a pain, um, even under the best of circumstances. Um, so in terms of making it, um, you know, it's I find that even in the 10 years that I was there, it was getting more crowded, more expensive. Um, 
harder and harder to live within the city proper um, mm. and people are just moving more to the outskirts and right. kind of the, the more creative artistic people um, are tending to be pushed out of the, of the city itself because it's just not financially accessible to them. Um, so that takes a little bit of the uh, color out of it, unfortunately. Um, but again, you, you find your circle and that becomes your world. Yeah, that, that was my experience. And I was fortunate to find a really good circle. Yeah. Tell us about your circle, the one you found in New York. <laughs> well, um, I guess when I really found um, my tribe would have been when I joined the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. Mm. Um, and that was, I would say, that was just over three years into living into living in New York. And I had I was finding that something wasn't right. I was missing something. Um, there was kind of an artist. I was working in nonprofit performing arts, but I wasn't performing myself and I missed that. Um, and so I joined the chorus and, you know, that's almost 300, um, you know, gay men, um, and some women, um, but largely, you know, gay men of all different generations, um, and colors and backgrounds. Um, coming together who love to perform and, and party. Um, and so that was exactly what I needed, um, at that time and was a hardcore member, um, for the next three, almost four years, um, you know, singing in every concert, going to every fundraiser, every social event, this, that, um, you know, running for different positions within the chorus, you know, campaigning and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, but then my work situation got a little too hectic, um, my schedule didn't allow for me to be as involved as I wanted to be. So then I just became an audience member for the last few years that I was in the city. And, you know, those friends that I met through the chorus are, are still some of my closest friends in the city. So in New York, um, I mean, well, we should talk about things that you went to school for and your passions, mm -hmm. I think, so that people, I mean, it's obviously chorus music related. <laughs> performing arts yeah yeah mm -hmm. so that's um what you went to school for and what brought you to new york right correct yes okay. mm -hmm. um so it wasn't unusual that you find yourself in the in the gay men's chorus no um you know i was in chorus uh groups all through high school and I went to, you know, as a voice major at music school in college, so that was part of it. Um, I'm a just big chorus music nerd all around, so those are the people that I tend to, you know, just vibe with um, and, you know, share a similar language with. Um, and so the Gay Men's Chorus was just that, but on a huge scale. Um, and it's a very, you know, it's a well-respected um, group, um, in the city, they have a long, long, uh, rich history, um, of being a support, uh, group for wayward gays, um, people that are looking for something, um, not even just to perform. I mean, that's a big part of it, but also the social aspect of it is huge too. Um, and, uh, I was looking for, for both. And so that's what it provided for me. Well, thank God. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did you first... Find your voice. Hmm. You know, um, funnily enough, it was through church. Um, 
you know, I was raised Catholic, uh, went to Catholic school from first grade through high school. Um, would go to church every Sunday with my family. Um, and, uh, singing and music is always a big part of the service. Um, so that's kind of where I first found my voice, um, and was encouraged by, um, my high school music teacher, um, Stephanie Han Nolan. Uh, Shout out. Stephanie. She lives in Nashville now, but um, she was one of my very early mentors and was my first voice teacher and then connected me with um, my voice teacher who, you know, prepared me for college and who I still go back to when I can uh, when I'm in town. Um, so she was the one that kind of saw the the love of singing in me and started to, to pull it out and encourage me to pursue it. Yeah. So much so that... When I went to undergrad, I started as a music education major because I thought I wanted to be a high school chorus teacher like Miss Nolan and inspire people the way that she had inspired me. Like and... that dude on Glee. Sure. I actually haven't seen a whole lot of Glee, believe it or not. Um, we don't have to get into it. No, it's okay. I don't, you know. Back to Stephanie. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, that was the one. And then my parents uh, also were very supportive of, you know, whatever I wanted to do um my brothers were doing the sports um aspect so they had that covered but i was you know doing the chorus concerts and the plays and all that stuff yeah so then in new york um the chorus was i'm not just saying for fun but it wasn't a job no it wasn't a job what were you uh what was your line of work uh, what was your where did you um <laughs> I'm losing all my clever phrases today. M- make your make your bones. Make my bones. Is that what people say? Maybe we can start saying it now. I think someone says that. Yeah. Um, get my coinage. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get your coinage? Uh, so the first job that I moved up for to to New York to have was um, I was working at an organization called Opera America, um, and it's essentially. Um, a service organization or a trade association for anybody that's involved in the opera industry in the U.S. So whether you're a singer or a composer or a director or, um, you know, an administrator at an opera company, um, Opera America provides professional development services and they have a big conference every year and put on you know panels and workshops for people just how to learn from each other and uh, support the business of of opera in the U S. And so I started as a a development coordinator there helping with fundraising programs. Um, but then moved into the artist services and kind of started working with professional development programs for singers, um, and composers and artists, uh, you know, directors, designers, um, and, uh, did that for about four years. And that's what I was doing when I was, um, in the gay men's chorus when I started. Yeah. So helping these opera professionals be more professional? Well, I was more, (laughs) yes, um, partly, but it was also more of my focus was on um, younger younger singers who were looking to get into the opera industry. You know, people Mm. who were voice majors at at college or or conservatory somewhere, um, and they had dreams of a career in opera. but it's such a vague thing. Like, how do you get right. into all that? And what does that right. actually look like? I don't know. Right. And very few people. And it, you know. <laughs> do, wait, do you know? Was it your job to know? <laughs> no, it, it was my job to connect them with people who knew. Ah. Um, and so we would 
travel around the country um, and put on these uh, all-day, multi-day workshops where we would bring in, you know, an artist manager and uh, an opera director and an, an administrator from an opera company and a professional working singer who's out there doing it. And, like, they would have all day, you know, panels, uh, and we would invite local students to come and hear from them and we would have you know mock auditions where they could you know improve on their auditioning skills and um just kind of hear from people about the sacrifices that are involved um in you know pursuing a performing career and what that actually looks like um and i think some of the most important work that we did with those programs was to kind of encourage people to experience think about their personal definition of success and what success means for them. Um, not comparing it to whatever anybody else is doing. Um, and then, or to expand their idea of what it means to be a professional successful singer. Like if your idea of success is singing, you know, a leading role on the metropolitan opera stage, that's wonderful and great, but you know, you should know what the chances are of that happening, um, even for incredibly talented people out there. Um, so there are ways to have music in your life, career and singing, um, other than, you know, maybe that one narrow idea of what you think it's going to look like. Yeah. Wow. Quite the gig. It was, it was, <laughs> it was fun. But then, you know, it, towards the end, I wanted to be more involved in like the actual producing of the arts. You know, we kind of at Opera America, we existed to help those people that were producing the art. Um, so I, I left Opera America and went to go work for an orchestra that actually put on a season of concerts and was working directly with artists um, with a small stint of selling retail, working retail in between. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want to shout out any? <laughs> well, the, the store's no longer there, unfortunately. It was E4, and it's... Uh, oh, shout it, out E4, rest in peace. E4, yeah. It went the way of a lot of the kind of boutiques in Chelsea where just rents got too high and it all got taken over by Starbucks and Chase Bank and how all that many, stuff. <laughs> how many banks can you have? How many... How many Starbucks? Yeah, right. Now it's there's uh, that's an, a sad trend, unfortunately. Um, but I enjoyed my time there. You're not banking. You're drinking coffee in New York, am I right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, yeah, you are currently at the Lyric Theater. Only for yeah, for like three more weeks. For, yeah, for I'm kind of weeks. on my way out of there, but that's where I've been for the last year and a half. Yeah, mm -hmm. tell us about what's the Lyric Theater about. Tell us about your time spent there. Sure, uh, Lyric Theater is a community theater company that's been um, producing musicals at the Flynn since 1974. Um, it's almost a completely volunteer-based operation. Um, but I came in as the executive director, um, which is largely a fundraising position, you know, um, and not a volunteer position. No, it's, <laughs> it, it's actually the only full time staff position in the organization. Okay. And then there are, you know, two to three part time people working depending on mm. what projects are going on. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I, I ran the show for a year and a half, um, raised a bunch of money. Um, tried to help manage the volunteers and, uh, you know, create a space for them to do the work that they want to do. Um, and 
it was a really good run. Um, but I felt a call to go back to school. Um, I always knew that I would go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, just wasn't sure what the timing would be. And mm-hmm. then, you know, timing felt right. It feels right. Sooner than I thought it would. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with. You got to crack them books when it feels right. Yeah. Well, I feel like I still have the energy to get through another degree kind of thing. So yeah, use it. Yeah. Use it the heck up. Totally. So you're excited to go back to Florida State. Back yes. to Tallahassee. Back okay. to Florida State. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where you will be studying. Studying arts administration. Kind of the, the same thing that I've been doing for the last, you know, 12, 13 years, um, but I'm getting a PhD, um, so I can hopefully teach at a college or university somewhere and, uh, do that gig for a while. At least that's what I think I want to do. So that's what I'm pursuing. It sounds (laughs) secure. It sounds mature. That wasn't (laughs) supposed to rhyme, but here we are. Sure. Um, no, it sounds stable. And you seem able. No, now I am trying to run. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I actually was trying to... Okay. Yeah, you're succeeding. Um, no, that sounds great, though. And, okay, so this is where... Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. You are in a relationship, if I may divulge this. Yeah, absolutely. Unless, no. unless it's not the time, nor we the are quite, place. No. In which case, <laughs> I retract my previous statement, and we would just edit this entire part out. Totally, totally. Um, no, you um, are in a partnership, a romantic partnership with my roommate, Todd. Yes, someone you know very well. You're taking Todd away from me. I am. Um, but you know what? I care about him and I respect him. And if he's happy, yeah. then I'm happy. And it's... you have a place to visit in Florida now. Hey, Tallahassee, that, watch out. In that, you know, those, <laughs> those interminable winter months up here. Yeah. Oh, can... yes. That's the whole, um, the snowbird piece. Yeah, I think maybe I'm partly just working my way towards being a snowbird. Oh, oh you like... They've got the right idea. And you think maybe you see yourself splitting your time in the future. I mean, I Vermont is always going to be my home yeah. no matter where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on you know what happens with this degree and where the job opportunities are, maybe it'll bring me back to Vermont. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for a reason um, to come back to Vermont. Because otherwise, if I may, you're in Tallahassee. Yeah. I want you to tell me a little bit about the culture in Tallahassee. In I've never been, what do they call it? Tally ho, Tallanasty. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> Depending on, you know, how you're feeling or who you talk to. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Cute, cute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a clearer picture already. So tell us. A little bit about um, the culture there and from your standpoint in in Tallahassee. Sure. Well, I know I lived there for two years um, while I was going to Florida State um, from 2006 to 2008. And it's definitely a college town. Florida State University has like 30,000 undergraduate students. Um, And then there are two other... um, Universities there, there's Florida A&M University, which is a historically black um, university, and then Tallahassee Community College. So there's lots of young people doing their thing down there. Um, And it's also the capital of Florida. Um, So there's the government. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, It's more, I would say, like 
southern Georgia, maybe, than what people think of when they think of Florida. Right. Because um, it's kind of, it's right in the panhandle, like 40 minutes south of Georgia. Yeah. Um, so you're not on the beach. You're not in the swamp. Um, but um, it's definitely still the south. Mm-hmm. Um, it's culturally diverse, um, which was lovely uh coming from vermont and then mm. going to potsdam um mm, and right. to actually be in, <laughs> to actually be in some real uh diversity um and i am looking forward to being back in that again awesome yeah uh, um okay. but i thoroughly enjoyed my time i mean it was i was a full-time student and florida state is kind of its own ecosystem unto right. itself it's a gorgeous campus they very much take care of their students um but I also met a great group of gays down there um, who were largely local professionals, uh, young, you know, locals. Um, they weren't uh, students there, so they're still down there, mm. and I'm looking forward to reconnecting with them mm. very soon. Um, but I was also ready to... I was still seeing myself in New York, so as soon as I uh, got that degree, um, I headed up to New York. And it, it, was, it was fortunate because a big part of the degree program that I was in at Florida state was an internship. Um, and I did my internship at opera America the summer between my two years there. Mm. Um, and they were able to offer me a job, uh, when I graduated, it's that, nice when that, that brought me up like there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so I don't know if I'll stay in Tallahassee. It's a three to five year program that I'm probably going to try and do, you know, on the closer to the three year side. Um, I'm open to anything. You mentioned that you were raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. And when we spoke prior, um, I know that you mentioned being a recovering Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just was curious about what that means for you. If you want to talk about that. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't go to church uh, anymore. Um, at least, you know, not a traditional Catholic house of worship deal. Mm. Um, my parents really don't go to church anymore either. They got kind of turned off from the church when there was a Pope that was, um, a few years back that was kind of like a, he was a Nazi youth and, uh, it was a whole Benedict. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pope Benedict. Um, so that was kind of the end of them, (laughs) uh, going to church regularly. Um, and there are aspects of my time going to church that I will always love and value, like, you know, my love of singing and, um, well, that might be about it. Well, that's, uh, well, that's where it came <laughs> but about. But that's huge, yeah. And that's connected. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong at all with, you know, people going to church and having a religion and fellowship and there's something really beautiful about that but you know as as I started to see you know and understand the world a little bit outside of myself um you start to see that there are some really ugly dark awful aspects of the church um and uh they certainly don't uh encourage certain aspects of my lifestyle um and that was very clear um so um, I will never fault anybody for, you know, following their own religion or whatever, but, you know, as long as you're not hurting other people. Yeah. That's when, that's when I take issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went to Catholic school mm-hmm. as a young child. I went to 
Catholic Church mm-hmm. also. I <laughs> it didn't last very, very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know that I have anything that poignant to say about that. Well, I mean, my parents were relatively open-minded from the get-go, and they said, mm-hmm. you know, you can make up your own mind about what you want to do once you turn 18, but as long as you're living in our house and blah, 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 then you're going to go to church with us, and that's what our family's doing. Um, and it is where, you know, people make a lot of friends that they see every week, and there's a lot of beautiful things that come out of it. Um, but I knew as soon as I was, you know, 18 that I wasn't going to be taking time out of my Sunday morning every week um, to go do that. I can go to church on my own, in my own heart, um, as Whitney Houston says, um, anytime I want. <laughs> I didn't expect a Whitney Houston quote, um, but I'm happy for it. Yeah. I'm really happy with it. And yeah, and there's just something kind of that leaves you with a funny feeling when you feel like you're being persecuted mm-hmm. every week for existing. You know what I mean? That's sort of like right. not the most fun. Um, well, and it was also around the time that, you know, um, civil unions um, were first um, happening here. And mm-hmm. I remember um, distinctly um, uh, there was some reporter journalist um who was waiting on the outside of uh, St. Joseph's Cathedral in you know downtown Burlington, which is where our family went for church every Sunday, waiting for folks to come out after mass and was interviewing people, um, kind of about you know their thoughts on civil unions and, um, and they stopped my dad and they talked to my dad and they were like you know as a practicing Catholic you know what are your thoughts on civil unions and um, and he was I remember him saying that um, you know he as a Catholic, he wants to go along and believe in the church's teachings. But at the same time, as um, a minority in Vermont, he has felt, he knows what it feels like to be discriminated against. And, um, and he feels like, and so he was torn basically is what he was saying. And I, that was kind of a, a major moment for me that has stuck with me for a while. Yeah. Hearing your dad, put it that way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that something he had not really addressed to you before or well i wasn't out at that time Uh, um so it was not like he knew he right um of course had a gay son Mm. my my parents claimed that they didn't know when i finally came out i Mm. find that hard to believe (laughs) knowing my gay ass growing up um but um you know it's not like he was going to be like well my gay son um no he was just kind of um dealing with what he knew at that point. Yeah. Mm. Which was that he, and, and he comes from a large Catholic family. My mom comes from a large Catholic family. I mean, the church has been in, you know, part of my family's lives for generations. Um, it's tapering off <laughs> as, uh, as the generations go on. But, um, you know, they were still very much practicing Catholics at that point. And it was just nice to hear that my father understood that it was just out and out discrimination. <laughs> right. There wasn't a, a nuanced conversation to be had about why these people didn't deserve. No, there's no rationalizing it or anything like that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I really appreciated that even at my, my young age. So we are, uh, 
Smack dab in the middle of Gemini season. Yes, honey. Dating the program a bit, dating the program. Um, but that's okay. She's in bloom. <laughs> <laughs> you recently. Yeah, just had this a past birthday. week. Mm-hmm. So, first, let's talk about what Gemini season means to you. And then let's talk about, given that you are. I'm going to say it. Say it. Another year older. Oh, yeah. I said it. Hey, it's a beautiful thing. Let's talk about your mid-30s. But first, Gemini season. Yeah, Gemini season. (laughs) Well, you know, Gemini season is the summertime. um, So that's kind of when I always feel like I come to life, um, come out of hibernation. Um, And uh, I don't know. I mean... Gemini's they're, they're, the twins are the you know the symbol for Gemini and I guess they're supposed to be like a a double a duplicitousness if that's a word to my to my personality um there's probably more sides to me than that um but more than two probably um I can't imagine there are only two people living in here um <laughs> but um I I definitely um I that resonates with me um because I I've I found that I can, and this, I think this is also comes from my theater training is that I can put on, you know, a professional, um, not necessarily facade, but I can do the professional vibe. Um, but then I can also let loose and get wild and everything in between. Yeah. More than two sides. Exactly. To this Gemini. Hell yeah. Well, all right. So. All right, what's your sign? <laughs> or when's your birthday? I'm a Virgo. My birthday is September 2nd. Okay. And that is where we will leave. All right. That one, I mean. I'm not that up on the different signs and how they interact and what they actually mean. Um, um What do I even say, you know? You know? My dad is... September 5th. So that would, would that make him a Virgo also as well? Also a Virgo. So how do you feel about your dad? <laughs> when my brother is September 14th, is that also a Virgo? Also a Virgo. Okay. So there's some you know, so major Virgos in my life. you get along well with them? I do. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think Virgos get along well with everybody because that's just our nature. Well, there you go. Um, though we are judging you. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So know that. Well, you can judge me all you want. <laughs> Just don't get in my face. <laughs> That's the RuPaul quote. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, a Virgo probably would not get in your face. We are non-confrontational, so. Neither am I. I Not at all. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I, I run from conflict like uh, the plague. I wonder if there's some Virgo in your chart then. Maybe. Hmm. I'll have to do that. I do think there is, you know, something to that, but I've never had, you know, really my my life charted out as they do kind of thing. Like, I don't know what my rising is and all that. We will figure it out. There's some links I'll send you. Okay. Okay. Please do. (laughs) So you just had a birthday Mm -hmm. and (laughs) this is corny. And I know that it's not a sore subject for you. So how old did you turn? 35. And how do you feel about that? Awesome. I think every chance you get to, you know, turn the calendar another year is a blessing because um, there are so many people that don't get to and don't even make it to 35. Um, so um, 
so I have no problem with birthdays. Um, I will say that I do believe life tends to have major shifts um, in groups of seven, it seems. Um, so um, this would be, uh, you know, a marker for that. And it does feel like a, a big year of change for me. Um, I'm in a, you know, a really solid relationship. I'm about to move um to a new place with and start a new chapter with him. Um, so I'm just kind of accepting that everything is working the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at this moment. Of course. Yeah. Where else? Exactly. Where else? Yeah. Um, but so I'm solidly in my mid thirties now. And uh, I feel good. I feel really good. What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you? What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look to me? Um, well, I guess I see it when I look in the mirror. Um, and... Uh, Outside of that, I honestly don't know. This is maybe an area of ignorance for me. Um, I definitely see some queer culture through my work with the theater company, um, though I will say it's not a particularly diverse uh, group um, in terms of color. Um, and I haven't connected with a big circle of brown people since I've been up here. I know they're here. I see them. Um, but they're not necessarily in my day to day. Yeah. Which is a shame. Um, and if my life in the past year and a half had maybe been different in terms of my free time and work life balance, um, that might look different, but, um, I also tend to keep my circles pretty small. Um, and, uh, and you know i'm I'm dating a white boy um <laughs> and uh you know my friends growing up here um are all white really um I think the the population of brown people went down significantly when my family moved out <laughs> of Vermont um only you know partly kidding there, but um you know my family doesn't live here anymore, so um yeah, meeting new people is not easy. Um, you have to make an effort at it. And I feel like I've met a lot of new people through my work with the theater company. It just hasn't been the most diverse group of people. Um, I will say that I do notice a lot more black and brown people here than when I was growing up. Um, that might be because I just wasn't paying attention as much when I was growing up. Um, or maybe it really has improved. Um, I hope that black and brown people are able to make the life for themselves that they want up here, um, and, and everywhere. Um, but, um, I applaud them and encouraging them for, you know, coming here and spicing up the place. <laughs> When do you feel most brown and out? Hmm. 
Well, I haven't felt so brown and out since I've been back in Vermont. Because I'm half white. My mm. mom is a Irish-German girl from Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is kind of the, the Gemini multifaceted <laughs> aspect of my nature. Um, um, I, maybe I've been kind of retreating into my white side mm-hmm. um, since I've been up here. Um, mm. Do you think Vermont as a place makes you do that? Um, I think I tend to maybe take on the vibe of whoever I'm of the group that I'm hanging out with at the time. Um, and that's largely been, uh, white people Mm -hmm. since I moved back. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) (laughs) I love white people. Half my family is all white people and they're lovely people. Um, but it's interesting because when I moved to New York, um, I actually felt more white than I had in a while because I was around, you know, ethnic people who were uh, first generation um, from all different, you know, Latin American countries. And, um, you know, they see me, Jose Rincon, um, and, you know, people will come up and start talking to me in this rapid machine gun Spanish and I, you know, need to like, take a minute and be like, okay, slow down. You know, the Spanish I know is from high school and, and college and stuff like that. So, um, I was always kind of very white by, you know, Latino standards, but also pretty Latino by white standards. Um, so, so it's an odd position to be in. Um, that said, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, being around more diverse people down in down in Tallahassee. That's something that I miss from New York. Yeah. Understandably so. Um so Oh and also and I guess the 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 out uh part of that. Um I guess I have maybe subconsciously toned down my queerness Mm. i mean since i've here since i've been up here um i don't think that there are as many opportunities maybe for me to go out and express it as i had in new york um without you know there's aren't really a whole gay bar scene here um there's really no fire island um and that kind of stuff there's you know um, and, uh, I've just kind of been in my, my happy gay relationship and, um, that's been plenty. Yeah. Yeah. My world has, you know, gotten smaller since I've been here. It's just a smaller area. Um, and that's good. That's what I was looking for when I uh, decided it was time to get out of New York. I was looking for something a little quieter, calmer, smaller scale. And, um, and it, you know, Vermont absolutely provided that. Um, and that's a good thing. Mm 